Welcome back, people. This is the Emerging Nine Golf Podcast. We got McLean, Jaybird, myself, Mike. We are here tonight. Um, we're recording a little late. It's it is Monday night, but it's it's way past my bedtime. So I'm gonna muster up everything I can for you boys just to give you guys a great show. But how are you guys doing? Wonderful. Beautiful Monday night. There you go. Good. What's everyone drinking? Corona Light. I am um I'm drinking a little uh, smoke wagon uncut unfiltered. Wow. And it is delicious. Tiny glass that. again? Tiny glasses, man. These are these glasses are so good for bourbon. Look at I mean, Oh, so that's a little snifter. Yeah, that's that's different than your other tiny glasses you've used. Yeah. These are just got these are great. Yeah. Great. You can really just get it all. Get the whole nine yards. Aroma. Yeah. Yep. Yep. Is it hard to drink because it's small and it hits your nose? Yeah, because I do have a I do, do have a big nose, so it's hard to get in there. There's oh, there's Jay I with the talking while he's got it in his mouth again. Well, you know, that's my signature move. So <laughs> oh yeah, pinky's up. Without question, the pinky's up. <laughs> um love it. All right, let's let's talk a little golf, huh? We had a little bit of a little bit of letdown. You know, I think after a real big event and the craziness of the players, Balspar this week, I'll be honest, I didn't see a ton of it. My weekend was a little hectic and busy. But um, March March, March Madness, it's just it, it, it was a good event. It ended up being very good. But just coming off the players, it's not. A premier event sure, on the tour sure but you know sunday afternoon tournament goes to a playoff no 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 it ended up being good i was kind of saying leading into it there wasn't much juice sure sure going it's it. overshadowed by march madness yeah and march matches going on so a lot of people are watching that and focus on their brackets and um all that kind of stuff so but uh sam burns wins again back to back won this event last year now has three wins in um 12 months gets it done in a playoff over davis riley they tied at uh 17 under which i think was sam burns winning score last year too when i was looking up last week which you know jay and i you and i were talking about this yesterday we thought this used to be a hard golf course like eight, nine, 10 11 12 yeah. under kind of winner yeah. and then the last couple of years it's high teens so what do they call it? the snake just the snake snake pit, pit. Snake pit. Yeah. Like what? Like nothing's biting you there when you're shooting almost 20 under par. Yeah. It's uh although Davis rally, he got bit. What hole was that? <laughs> so Davis rally shoots a 62 on Saturday, takes the lead and then makes an eight on the par five fifth. He hit it on three separate holes kind of on purpose. It's almost but difficult to do. It is almost difficult to do, but, um, I, I will give it before we get to Sam Burns real, real fast on Davis Riley. His golf swing is money, money. It yeah. is so good. Money. You talk about finishing left and just crisp. Yeah. Big fan. And then I got to hand it to him. Right. So he's never been in this position. He's trying to make his living on the PGA tour. He plays with JT on Saturday and shoots at 62 with him to get the lead 54 hole lead. Makes well, that sense. worked out well for him, though, being a UA alum. Yeah, yeah, exactly. They know each other pretty that was well. A comfortable, that was a comfortable round for him. That worked out in his behalf. Sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off. No, no, you're good. 
And then he makes that triple bogey and you're like, oh, well, there he goes. You know, the rookie. I'm not even sure if he's a rookie or not, but the rookie, you know, having his first taste of a lead chokes it away. And, you know, okay, well, we'll let Sam Burns and JT do their thing because you're the established PJ Tour players. But he held his own after that. And I don't know if it almost settled them down, but a couple birdies, one bogey, just stoned one on 17, the part three to tie the lead. So I got I got to hand it to him there, you know, just to get it back into a playoff. A lot of people would have completely and utterly folded after making a triple bogey in a par five. Well, not not to be overlooked. How about the up and down on three when it looked like it it could have gone south quickly? He hits it up into the back end of the bunker, and I saw it immediately. It looks like it plugs up in that back side of the bunker, and I'm sitting there going, "Oh God, that 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 could be very hard." Stones it to six feet, gets it up and down, and just keeps it rolling. Um, I was incredibly impressed by his ability to get out there with the lead and and make it up and down like that early in the round. I mean, that that's where you got to feel like the butterflies are looming. Yeah, and then he chipped in. Uh, was it on eight? I think he chipped in on par three. Yeah, uh, yeah, eight. And um, I think that kind of helped him a little bit. But yeah, so so hopefully he's around for a while. You know, it's kind of crazy. I didn't realize I said him and Sam Burns are both 25. I could have swore. I would have guessed Sam Burns was 28 or 29. Um, I didn't realize he was only 25 years old. But Burns gets it done. Just There's a lot to like about his game, his personality. He's up to number 10 in the world rankings now, ahead of some big names, too. Big names. Yeah. Yeah. Like DJ's behind him now. Yeah, DJ Brooks and oh, who's the third day, and Spieth. Yeah, that's right. We're behind him in the world rankings now. So, you know, I don't love his golf swing, but buddy, I love how he gets it done. Yeah, he's a grinder. I mean, it, and I don't know what it is that I don't love about it. It's like it's it's not that fluid. He's got a little bit of mechanical look to it, and I'm not saying it is mechanical. It looks pretty freewheeling, but it's just that. Uh, oh God, who's a good. Because the person to relate to it's a little Adam Scottish, to where it's like it, it does kind of look tigerish, but he still gets a little bit of just mm-hmm. that, that tightness, that tightness, not fluidity. Yeah. Um, but at the same time, the results speak for themselves. And you know, I think we're looking at a guy who's I think he's here to stay, guys. Uh, he doesn't show any signs of um slowing down or, or disappearing. And he doesn't have a major weakness when you look at his stats. So he's, I guess, his worst stat really is uh driving off the tee he's 71st he hits it a good ways he's just a little crooked but approach to green 10th around the green 58th putting 36th tee to green 16th total 11th and then even you looking back at last year's stats um he wasn't great around the green last year he was 126 but he was 44th off the tee 30th 30th in approach 9th in putting you know so he doesn't have a, a complete major weakness really in his game. When you're top 70 and above and everything, um, you, you're top half, you're going to win some, win some events. And he knows, seems like he knows how to close now too. Yeah. He, he's what there's uh Hideki cam Sam and one other guy, uh, all to kind of, I think it's either tied or all in the list of the most wins over the last 12 months. He yeah. now has three. Cam has three. Hideki has three. And there was one more. I don't know if it was well, Ron Cant- or Cantley has four. Cantley. Cantley has four. That's right. Um, but yeah, I mean, that that's in a good conversation. 
Jaybird, what are your thoughts? Um, no, I mean, I think, you know, he's right in, he's right in line. I mean, he's playing some good golf. Um, I mean, geez, he's won this tournament twice in the, in, in the last year, two years. So, I mean, what was the last tournament he played? He obviously he played well, faltered last week of the TPC on the back nine, but he's, he's been up there close to the league quite a bit in the last, uh, last couple months. Um, it just hasn't got it done as many as many times as everybody else, but he's, he's right in there. Um, yeah, you know, like, a T9, like at, T9 at Bay Hill too. Yeah. I mean, like McLean said, I mean, he's, he's putting himself in that position a lot, which I think is, that's what we see for, it's what we see from guys who are on the cusp of really taking that next step and becoming one of those elite players. And he's, he's following suit, you know? It's funny. He seems like he's so calm. And then when he made that putt in the playoff, he went bonkers. Like it was like a flip of a switch. Like normally you look at him, you're it doesn't like he's seem showing much emotion. But when yeah. he does something, when he makes that putt, he, he lets it lets it go pretty good. I know know a couple other players who are like that. Tiger. Yeah. I mean, Tiger looks like the nothing. He's like so stoic all the time. And then all of a sudden he makes one putt and then you see the super you know, fist pumps and you're like, where, the, where did that come from? Like <laughs> you've been holding that in for forever. Yeah. Oh, I was late at T-ball practice because they were showing O2 uh, masters on golf trip. Uh, uh, were they really? Yeah. Masters <laughs> highlights. You know, where he makes the cut on the number, got up and down on 18. Yeah. Yeah. It goes on to win back to back. But um, yeah, I don't know. It's it just, nobody talks about Sam Burns. I think if you were to ask, a lot of people go down to a driving range in any golf course in America and say, Hey, what, what's Sam Burns ranked in America in the world? Excuse me. No, one's going to know he's 10th in the world. No, you're exactly right. No, one's going to know that, you know, he was probably one of the biggest snub of the Ryder cup going back to the fall. Um, so then he just, came oh, he out. had the, he had the playing resume at that point, but he just wasn't well known enough. Um, and it's unfortunate because he would have been a great, uh, I mean, obviously we, we did well, but he would have been a great addition to the team. And I think you've got a lot of future teams ahead of him yeah. um, based off of what we're seeing. Like I said before, he shows no signs of slowing down and he shows no signs of getting scared in the hunt. He's comfortable playing in contention. Those are things that are hard to reproduce. I don't care what your golf swing looks like. If you've got guts like that, um, you can find the center of the club face as often as he does. Swing doesn't have to look great. Jim Furyk made a lot of money out there. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> and and we like him on this podcast. We, we do like love, Jim Furyk on this podcast. We love the junkyard dog. <laughs> <laughs> what are your other takeaways from the Valspar this weekend? I think um, Matthew Neesmith showed well. Again, another guy no one really knows. Him and Davis Riley. Um, yeah, he's playing at a Palmetto Club down there naked. Yeah, he's a Gamecock. We don't want to talk about him that much. Uh, Matthew Fitzpatrick plays well again. He's had a really, really good start to 2022. And then I think the, the big one is JT, obviously. You almost kind of assume he was going to get it done. Fires three straight 66s to get in contention. And then Look. just didn't really have it on Sunday. But God, oh, what, he is knocking at the door. Is, that's, is, Matt Fitz, is Matt Fitzpatrick and Cam Smith like the same person? Is that just me or like every, I mean, until Cam Smith started growing the mullet, I couldn't tell the difference between these two guys. <laughs> I thought they were like the same dude. 
I mean, I'm, I mean, now it's pretty obvious because Cam yeah. Smith has grown the little weird blonde mustache and the and uh, sick mullet, whatever. But oh. before that, I was like, these guys look like the same kind of people, same game. Like they're like the five nine guys hit it, hit it straight, good wedge players. But by know, by the same, you mean like they they both make a shit ton of money playing golf? Exactly. Is that what you mean? Because that's very similar. They both do that, that very well. That too. But they're both like the kind of unassuming golfers. Like they're not, when you watch them play, you're like, you know, at, like I said, at one time they kind of looked alike before, uh, uh, before Cam grew his hair out or whatever, but uh, they had the same kind of games. It was like, not, they didn't do anything flashy. There's nothing great about what they did. Um, they didn't bomb it off the tee. They weren't like, you know, I don't know. They didn't have high towering iron shots, but they good wedge players, good putters. You know, it's kind of like ho hum. Here I am. Up, oh, I just won. You know, I don't know. Yeah. I maybe maybe I'm stretching a little bit. Um, no, I can see that. Yeah, I agree with that. Wasn't there that time? Is is Matt Fitzpatrick wearing a hat again? Wasn't there that time that he wasn't wearing a hat? That always throws me off when I see those guys not wearing a hat. Yeah, they do that during Ryder Cup. I feel like I feel like there. Matthew Fitzpatrick looks like Rory if Rory didn't start working out. <laughs> Maybe. Yeah, well, Rory had that. Rory came out like, a little pudgy too when he came yeah, out. Yeah, that's Rory. what I mean. It's like I feel like Rory is like let's not make Matthew fun of the pudge. Patrick before like he started getting super fit. Like if he had just kept being like that young kid that like didn't work out and just ate Cheez Its and you know like soda all the time, then he would be like Matthew Fitzpatrick. I th- I think he prefers Matt now. I think he transitioned to Matt. He, uh, don't when call he came Matthew. Out, yeah, I think he transitioned from Matthew to Matt. Oh, okay, that's fair. Like Matthew he's, from Virginia, he's a big boy. <laughs> look at look at look out for him at the U.S. Open this year. I mean, I like him. I mean, I'm like, I actually, I'm not gonna lie. I have him in my <laughs> in my lineup today for for <laughs> the draft game for the match play. Yeah, but uh, he's a, sne- a sneaky good game. Like he is again. He's one of these unassuming guys that you don't really talk about that much, but he. He just accumulates a bunch of top tens like over and over and over. A ton. I mean, if you look at, let me pull up his uh, his finishes so far this year. Hold, please. Yeah, I mean, so he's he had a WD from the Genesis with an illness, but he's played seven events. He's made six cuts, uh, four top twenty, four top tens. Yeah, and then just solid. He did have a missed cut at the players, but he was on the wrong side of the draw, and he barely missed the cut, I think, by one. But that's his only cut missed so far this year, and you can't really – he can't hold anyone missing the cut at the players against them if they were on that bad side of the draw last week. So, But, yeah, look at – I was I, you know, JT is one of the guys that he's got to win here soon. So he's made – because he's playing his ass off. Oh, he's going to win. He doesn't have yeah. to. I mean, he doesn't have we're, to. We're all of a sudden, this is how good this guy is. We're all of a sudden talking about his, mm, what, T3, T4 this week? Yeah, well, he's he's played eight events, made all eight cuts. His worst finish is a T33, and that was at the players, where he, at one point, you thought he could win it. Yeah. <laughs> um, he's had seven top 25s, five top 10s, two uh, thirds. And he is, I heard somewhere statistically, he's having his like second or third best strokes gained total 
performance. Oh, I guarantee he he is going to win very soon. Yeah, he doesn't have to do anything. I mean, it's it's funny that we're even in this situation because that that just goes to show you how great of a golfer he is and what he's become. To the fact that we're talking about man a T three for JT this week. Mm, that's a great week. Oh yeah, he made a bunch of money last week and finished inside the top five again. Um, I think he. I think it's something that the guy is just going to do. He, he again, another person that shows no signs of stopping doing what he's doing, and is going to. I think get in the winner's circle multiple times this year. It's so it's still weird seeing bones on his back. I get thrown off. That's a that's a good that's a good match that's, though. That's a hell of a pairing. The hell the, of a pairing. The two of them together, but yeah, it still throws me off when I when I see the two of them. Um, I'm like, oh yeah. Every time I see him, like, oh yeah, Bones on his back again. Oh yeah. Somehow I keep forgetting. But I mean, look at look at his stats. So he hasn't been putting well for you know JT. 14th off the tee, fifth approach the green, 35th around the greens, a hundred putting, third tee to green, and fourth strokes gain total. Still hasn't won yet. So he's he will get into the winner's circle. A couple times this year, I, I will wager right now. He'll win twice this year, maybe even three times. Yeah, I got three. Really? Yeah, really. Really? <laughs> <laughs> who else, if you had to bet on someone right now to win three times this year, who would you bet on over JT? With uh, pro- current knowledge. Rom or Dustin Johnson. No, they're not playing well. They're not playing worth a shit. This is early. I mean, I think, but Dustin Johnson is going to figure it out. John Rom's just hitting the, he hits the ball too well. And if he gets streaky with his putter, I mean, that's at least three. I'll I'll say Cam Smith because he already has two. (laughs) From here on (laughs) out. From here on out. From here on out. Yeah, that was. was Oh, okay. Um, I don't know. I'm not, I'm not, I don't, I don't, I don't love JT like everybody does. I, I, I just, this, I mean, I'm, just, I'm I talking about statistics. No, no, no. Yeah, I just, I just, still, I just, I think, I don't know what it is. I, I, I don't. I think he's a, he's a great player. I don't think he's, I don't think he's on that, uh, that elite level. I just don't. Like every time I watch him, like I, I see him, just falter quite a bit. I don't know what it is. Um, you know, that's just, I, that's obviously purely he, he opinion, hasn't opinion based, but. He, but you're, but he hasn't had. If you look back, and this would take me too long to try to find him, um, he hasn't had a great track record in the majors recently. Like obviously, he hasn't yeah. won since 2017, but he hasn't really contended in them either. Yeah, no, I mean, to kind of go bad as saying. Rory, as bad as Rory has played, I would still, I would still take Rory over Justin Thomas if they were to. Like from here on out for the rest of their career. Now I know Rory's a little older than Justin, um, and he's already got what does he have four majors. So I mean, but from here on out, I still think that Rory's got two or three more majors, and I think he's got a boatload of wins. And I just you know that's just from a talent perspective and from a golf IQ. And, and Justin's got a pretty high golf IQ too. I mean, he's he's played at a high level for a long time, but. Um, like I said, I don't really have any facts to back that up. So that's just an opinion, which nobody really cares about. But, you know, that's just, I mean, I'll be honest with we, you. Like, I, do, I, get, I get irritated when, when like, I watch, like, you know, Stephen A. Smith and 
whatever, whoever he argues with on ESPN all the time. And they, there's, there's no facts there. They just argue because they like a certain guy. So I'm kind of doing the same thing right now. I'm like, I just, we all I just do like Rory better than, than Justin Thomas. I don't know why. I just think he's, I think he's, he's, he's more talented. Um, in my opinion, they're both ultra talented. I mean, we're talking, oh, we're yeah. talking five, you know, two, three, four, five, six in the world or whatever they are, you know, all both top 10 guys. So, I mean, you're, you know, half dozen, you know, six to one, half dozen to the other, whatever. Yeah. So, no, Jay, you are entitled to your opinion. Yeah. Yeah. No, that's fair. I mean, and we are fan, not going to fault a, you for it. As a fan, you're entitled to your opinion. You know, that's right. Um, and I'm a fan. I'm a fan of both of them. You know, they're both, they're both good. So, anything else you guys got in the Valspar? It's, I think, I think the Valspar is, is, is lackluster are here the last couple of years. That's all I got to say. I think I think I the, the timing is right for the Valspar for them to get big guys to come play. And it's just the right it's the right timing when guys are like okay, we got uh the Masters coming up and we're getting off of the West Coast swing. So guys playing it. You know, the perfect example like we talked about a couple of weeks ago with the Honda. Like guys didn't play in the Honda because they're coming back from the West Coast. They're coming off of playing Tigers tournament at in, in, LA, in LA, and they're like, and the course is so damn hard, it beats beats you up. The so guys are like, I'm not going to play that course, you know. And I think Valspar is that maybe they've softened it up a little bit and made things a little easier for the guys. It's the right timing, and more. I mean, we had a that was a pretty good field. Yeah, it was pretty know, decent. Played in that, so I don't. I mean, I commend them for doing it, but. Um, yeah, it just I don't know. It lost its luster. I kind of like that that was a hard hard golf course, but it's not anymore. Yeah, I'm not sure what happened there, but I haven't paid attention enough to the course setup if they changed any of it. But um, I don't know if they cut the rough down. I mean, the fairways are pretty narrow, but maybe they just don't have the rough grown up as much as they yeah. they once once did. Green's not quite as firm or fast. Yeah. I mean, could be a weather thing. I don't had, know. Yeah, we've had that. You know, it could. Yeah, it could have been. It could have been limited. But we've we've talked about that before. It, it comes down to rough and firmness of the greens, and then that from what they can, what from what the the green superintendent can control. I mean, then you have you know wind or rain. Those are elements that will dictate the score. But from what from what a staff can control, it's it's length of rough and it's firmness of greens. And if you get you know, narrow fairways with thick rough and and firm greens and scores go up because you can't get the ball close to the hole. Yeah. And if you throw wind in there too, then then the scores go even higher, you know. So let's let's get into the alternate leagues, tours, competing tours, however you want to call them. There was a bunch of news that came out last week. Let's start with Mr. Norman. And the Saudis, the live golf, whatever the fuck they're calling it. Trying to not use the word Saudi anytime he talks. And Norman went went around on a couple interviews this week, kind of making a little bit of a media tour. But they made a big announcement. They came out with their schedule. They have no players yet. They haven't announced (laughs) a single person that's playing on the tour. But they have an eight-event schedule. They have locked in the dates and locations of seven of them. Four of them are in the United States. One's at um, Pumpkin Ridge in, in Oregon. 
One's at Trump Bedminster, one's at Rich Harvest in Illinois, and one's at the International in Massachusetts, where I actually got my first job in golf. I was caddying there when I was 14 years old. So it says Boston. It's like 45 minutes from Boston, so it's not Boston. And all the press releases they put out, just like Rich Harvest Farms, they put Chicago, and it's like two and a half hours, I think, from <laughs> Chicago. Yeah. So... <sighs> I don't, I don't know what to think. It's like, okay, well, is this actually happening? But then, you know, you, they ask Norman, well, who's playing? Well, guys are really excited. I'm getting a lot of great feedback. Guys are really excited. Well, who are they? Well, they're just, no, don't, I mean, just trust me. They're really excited. We're going to have a 48 field event. You might have not know any of the guys because they're all going to come from the Asian tour, but it, they're really excited for it, guys, because Norman said so. 48 man fields. Is there a Monday qualifier for this thing? I want to <laughs> want to drive up and go. <laughs> there might be. There might be. I mean, they have no TV sponsor yet. They get or no TV deal to actually put this on the air. And it's going to start in June, allegedly. And then I, I saw a quote. Where was it? Someone asked him about that. And he goes, oh, yeah, we're going to get started working on that. Like, dude, mm-hmm. it's almost April. Like, I'm not sure a network is just going to like put this all together in two months um he uh, for somebody who's with a direct stream you would think that he'd be a little bit more organized with this Um, yeah so i don't i don't know the whole the whole think of all this you know we we can assume coke racks going you know you can assume lee westwood's going a couple of those other guys maybe you know henrik stenson was rumored to be a part of it but then the European tour, the DP world tour told them, well, you're never going to get a chance to be Ryder cup captain. And so he signed an agreement to be a member, a full-time member with the DP world tour. And then boom, they name him Ryder cup captain. So he's, he's out of the Saudi thing. Yeah. So I I don't know who the hell is going to be playing in this. Maybe those guys were all lying to us a couple of weeks ago at Genesis when they all said, Oh no, no, no. I'm saying on the PJ tour. I don't know. It's weird. To come out with a schedule and have no players yet. That is weird. Seems super shady. Yeah, I don't know. As a as a player, um, you know, looking at this tour, like again, these guys are asking all the right questions. You know, like Xander and, and Colin Morikawa are like, hey, I'm I'm not opposed to playing another tour, but I need to see some details. Like, give me some, give me some concrete evidence. I'm not gonna risk my entire career of getting banned from the PGA tour, unless there's something that's like guaranteed. Like, why would these guys take a risk on a tour that they're not getting, they're not, they're not being given any, any information. So, and I think, and that's, that's solely on Greg Norman. Like, Hey, if, if you're trying to recruit these guys, give them, give them a, you know, give them a pro forma, give them a package deal. Say, Hey, this is how the tour is going to do in the next two years. This is what we're going to give you. Like you got to, sweeten the pot for these guys like if 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 you just say hey we've got eight events and the, the purse is you know whatever 20 million okay is it guaranteed how many guys are playing how many guys are i mean how many guys you have uh, already committed and they can't answer any of those questions i don't i don't blame any of these guys for not going unless they have this you know guaranteed money up front but even still it's like i mean i i mean we talked about it the last time with bryson when they if it was a hundred it was two hundred million dollars guaranteed. 
I could see where it would be worth it for him to be. I mean, 200 million is a lot of money. Like he will never make $200 million on the PJ tour. No, I don't, I don't think, cause I think he's, I think in two years he's done. I think he blows his back out or whatever. And I think he falls off the face of the earth. In my opinion, if he keeps going on the pace, he's going you might so be right. for him to take 200 million right now and just take his chances. Incredible smart move. Incredible. Uh, smart that move. would be that. I would not fault him for that at all. They, hey, dude, this is a good move. Two hundred million dollars yeah, is a lot you of money. Fault but, anyone for taking guaranteed money in a sport where nothing's guaranteed. Nothing's guaranteed. But if they say, hey, or here's you know ten million guaranteed, I'm like, well, I was like, you got sponsors on the PJ Tour. Uh, I mean, you've got you you you're a U.S. Open champ, so you've got ten year. What is it? Five to ten years on the PJ Tour. I think it's yeah. I think it's I think ten. It's, years. Five years. Five years. It might be a ten-year exemption into the U.S. Open. A five-year guaranteed on the PGA Tour, like that. That means you're, you're going to make, you know, for him. I don't know what he makes. Maybe three to five million a year in sponsorship deals. I mean, that's if it's a five-year deal, it's twenty-five million. You know, so the ten million one-off is not worth it. But two hundred million—that's a lot of cake. Well, then, know? like you were saying about like a pro former and stuff, and and I guess I, I forget he did a Norman did a couple interviews on podcasts this week or last week, I guess. And I forget which one it was. They asked him and he was like, oh, yeah, well, some of these guys are, you know, these comments that are um, disparaging to our business model. You know, they don't know what they're talking about. They don't know what our business model is. It's like, uh, Greg, I'm not sure you know what your business model is. Can you, you, can you tell anybody. us? Can yeah. you tell us what your business model is? It hasn't showed anyone what right, it is. We'll, we'll get the, to the PGL in a second because they've pretty much come out with as much way more detail than than Norman and the Saudis have it's just just been weird how they've tried to unveil this tour league whatever you want to call it event series to us it's just I don't I don't know I hope it falls flat on its face but it is interesting that they they seem confident enough to schedule all these venues it's tough you know the only way that that a tour works and it, I mean it's, this is not rocket science but the only way you have a really good competitive tour is with tour players. Like, <laughs> it's a I novel mean, concept, Jay. I mean, I, I'm being honest. I know that sounds super fucking elementary, but you need to share that with like, Greg. You can't like you can do all this. You can talk all of this, all this stuff. And again, I've I've always said that I think it's I think to have another tour, and if it's done correctly, I think it's a it can be a good thing for golf in general. But if it's done half-ass, um, then it's not good. Then it just, you know, then it's that's a bad thing for everybody. But they, they haven't really produced anything uh, to date that shows that it's a legitimate tour and there's legitimate money anywhere. So, I mean, 48-man field, that's dumb. I want to see who's going to broadcast this thing or what. Yeah, no one's, oh, it'll no one's broadcasting. It'll be a direct stream event. Like Sky Sports. Al Jazeera, Maybe. like who's in the hell's gonna put this on? Like, <laughs> I don't know. I just don't see a broad uh, a broadcast looking for viewers. A broadcast yeah. company like two months out saying, "Oh yeah, 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 we'll take all this on." Like what? How have you not had that conversation with anyone yet? No, I'm I'm with you, uh, but you are right. The um, what PGL? Yeah, the plan that they launched is. Yeah. So, do you want to? Did you have any other Saudi takes or Norman takes, McLean? No. Let's let's move on. We got okay. a better. We got more to talk about. Better to talk about because, quite frankly, where they are and where this other league are, I don't think is the same place. And 
while there may not be an event schedule, they proposed a plan that I think gets people's attention. Yeah, this was like I I saw that article and I sent to you guys like, dude, you guys have to read this article. I read the whole thing. And so the PGL, the Premier Golf League, and and again, we've talked about it. We focused most of our attention so far um, the last couple of months on the Saudis because they've been making most of the news. Yeah. But back in the kind of just laying back and watching all this unfold have been the guys. uh, I think they're mainly from they're kind of from all over, but the CEO, whatever his name is, or Andy Gardner's his name. I forget his exact title, commissioner, CEO. He's a British guy. But they've been laying back, just taking this all in, watching the Saudis and Norman get egg on their face. And they have they tried to approach the PGA Tour back in the fall. They've always said they wanted to be kind of along a partner of the PGA Tour, tour and work with them and not poach guys off their tour and just do their own thing. They want to work together and let the Saudis be the a-holes who are trying to kill the PJ tour and, and poach, poach the guys. So they upped the Annie last month. I guess the letter was, I forget the date. It was February something. They sent a letter to Rory McIlroy, who's the head of the pack and the rest of the board kind of through proxy. They've upped their dollars up the Annie. And again, they're a very similar model because the Saudis basically got kicked out of the premier golf league as far as their funding. And, and they Saudis took the, the PGL idea essentially it's 48 guys sorry there might even be more there might be 52 I, I take that back it might be 52 of the pgl four-man teams 54 whole events shotguns guaranteed money all this kind of stuff they have a uh, they're talking about more like 18 events more than eight and so they've now upped the ante they were always going to give like the pga tour and the players ownership and some equity in it they've now valued this i'm trying to read this article i should have so the article was date or the uh letter was dated february 14th they're going to give equity to not only all the pga tour members but all the corn ferry tour members are going to have equity in this new league the pgl pgl and they're saying it's the equity will be worth in a few years is going to be worth 10 billion dollars They've allocated uh, 100 million shares. PGA Tour members would get 50% of the shares. 7.5% would go to Corn Ferry Tour members. They are then, they're actually giving some to the DP World Tour members as well. They are then going to give them payment on those shares, a partial payment up front right now. They're going to give every voting member of the PGA Tour $2 million and every member of the Corn Ferry Tour $300,000. Now that is going to change this ball game because like we've been talking about and one of my whole issues with all this stuff was, okay, are we just going to pad the wallets of the top guys and screw everyone else? And we've talked about, well, if one of these breakoff leagues happens, it's going to hurt the PJ tour. Then it's going to trickle down. It's going to hurt the corn Ferry tour, which we don't want this. I'm not sure any player, especially the corn fairy tour guys, they're going to jump all over. Yeah. I want $300,000 right now. Yeah. Here's, here's my bank account information. You can wire it whenever you want. And I'm sure a lot of the PJ tour members, if you're number, if you're Davis Riley and they're going to, okay, I'm not going to go play on this tour, 
but they're going to give me $2 million. And then I then have the possibility to play on, to work my way up and play on this tour. Yeah. Now it's, no brainer. it's not just giving Rory, JT, DJ, yeah. all these big checks and seeing them go bye-bye and your tour suffers. That's a whole new ball game in my opinion. Yeah. Though they, without, they, you're 100% right. And uh, I mean, what we've talked about the whole time, if you can guarantee money in an unguaranteed sport, it's going to get people's attention. Yeah. And when you start reaching out, and I think they're incredibly smart to include the Corn Ferry and DP World Tours, because what you have to have is a majority voting right. So if you can take guys that are, just like you said, not the top guys, guys that are kind of not necessarily fringe players, but are trying to get in, I guess you could consider the Corn Ferry a little bit more fringe than maybe the DP World Tour. But even then, when you can take a majority of guys, because if you just have the PGA tour, you know, it's going to be tougher to get all the boats. Now you jump in the corn fairy tour, guarantee money for those guys. All right. Now we could technically win the vote. Now you add DP world tour and you've almost got a two to three to where you can really take the guaranteed money where it matters the most to those guys and start winning votes. So it's incredibly smart on their behalf to include those guys. Yeah, no, I, I agree. I mean, I, you know, we've talked about this quite a bit. I think if you can, if you, you want to start a new tour, uh, just like you're saying, McLean, if you can make that, if you can trickle that down to all of the professional golfers that have potential, have, have the potential to play on your tour. Now you're, you're getting these guys to invest their time and their, their energy into this tour, you know, um, which I think is a good thing. It's a great, it's a great marketing move for them. And and not only that, but just they're, they're organized. They're, they're giving, they're giving people details. They're giving people a plan. Like, this is what we're doing. This is what we plan on doing. This is why it's going to work. It's not here's, a shot. Here's, in the how dark. The money's, here's how the money is yeah. going to be spread around. That's what, that's what every, every player wants to see. You know, if, if you're, if you're going to go take a job at a new, uh, whatever, a new venture, a new company, what are the benefits? Can you lay it out for me? Don't just say, Hey man, we're a good company. You know, trust me, we're good. You know, like, why would you leave your Someone current job to go? Seven. Yeah. Why would you leave your current job and your current secu- current security to go to a like this new company that that doesn't give you any details as to why they're they're good? You know, hey, we're going to do this. We're going to do this. We're going to X, X, you know, X, Y, Z. We're going to do ABC. One, two, three. This is why we're better. And this is what's guaranteed. Like, OK, well, I'm looking at the numbers. It makes sense. I, I'm willing to take the risk. But if you don't give them anything. Um, which is what, you know, the Saudi league has done. There's no details about anything. I mean, the, 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 the fact that they've released this, these five or six events that they have is the most that they've revealed of, uh, to date. Yeah. They haven't released any financials as, as to how they're going to pay these guys. Who's, wa- who's going to watch these guys. Who's going to sponsor the tour. I mean, and, and I say sponsor, I mean like we don't know any financial real, real financial structure. I mean, no, yeah. no one knows exactly what's going to be paid out. Well, hell, this is the first time Norman's even really talked about it in months publicly. Yeah, yeah. So I don't know. I'm, I'm a big fan of this this PGL. Uh, I'm, I I think it's going to be super cool if they if the the original premise is is true with this kind of team format. I think it's going to be. I think it'll be fun. Yeah, I think I, I'm I'm coming around on this. I mean, it doesn't solve all the stuff that we've talked about because it still would be limited fields, mm-hmm. but. If you have all the top players, the top 48 guys on this tour, that's what I want. I want them all playing. And like we've talked about, yeah, mm-hmm. it's not a hundred player event, whatever it is, but it's all the, we get the players championship 18 times a year. 
and it's not oversaturated and we can look forward to that. And if you're still missing golf when the PGL is not playing, well, you can just flip on the PGA tour. Cause that's still going to yeah. be happening with guys trying to make their way on to yeah. the PGL. I hope they, if this, like if this were to happen, I hope they do kind of steal some of the good PGA tour venues that we get to watch every year, yeah. you know, Riviera and Memorial and some of those courses, but you know, Pebble and, and that kind of stuff. But, yeah, I'm I'm starting to really dig this now. It could really, you know, again, it could change the dynamic of of getting rid of getting rid of some. I hate to say it. I mean, we we watch most of the events because we like golf. But I mean, how many people watched the Valspar this weekend? I'll be honest. I mean, we hardly watched it. You yeah. know, I mean, granted, we had basketball on and stuff, but you know, I clicked it on a few times just to see what's going on, but. If we cut these 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 events that are not as important in half, um, and and now we we have, let's just say instead of thirty five, you know, kind of thirty five events with you know ten or twelve really good events, now we bump it up to twenty really good events throughout the year. That's better for the viewer. You know, we've got ten or twelve PGA Tour events, and we've got maybe eight of the PGA PGL events that we really like watching or that like all the guys are playing like that's, yeah. a, that's big, you know? And so one of the things that the PGL has said, Andy Gardner has said is um, he just wants to get this to a vote. This is going to help get it to a vote. And he said, Hey, if, if, there, if a vote happens and we lose out, that's fine. He did say, well, we then may reassess and go to the poaching method and still start their own thing, just not be included with the PGA Tour and, and yeah. try to steal these guys at that point. He didn't rule that out, but he's like, hey, I just want to get this to a vote among the membership. And again, I'll just use Davis Riley as, as the straw man here. Mm-hmm. Davis Riley beforehand probably could have cared two shits about any of these leagues because they weren't going after him. But now he's got a reason to vote yes on this, even though he might not be a member of it for the first year or two. But like, so there's a couple of quotes in this article. Um, It says, as players, we all believe we can be top 50 in the world, right? If you're on the PGA tour, you can, you think you can be top 50 in the world. And that's, what's essentially going to get you on the PGL. So if you're getting $2 million to bide your time for another year or two on the PGA tour, then fine. Give it to me. Give me $2 million. I'll take it. Pretty easy decision, you know? Yeah. Now, Kevin Kisner has come out because he's part of the policy um, board. He says they've, I don't know who's they, they've vetted and audited, you know, the, the business plan, and they don't see the valuation that, that the PGL is laying out, that it's not going to be worth as much. I don't know. I mean, I, I'm not going to sit here and tell you that I, I I'm a financial guy and, and know this stuff um, what's right or wrong. And I, I'm sure you can get any forensic accountant to kind of say what you want. <laughs> you yeah. know, I'm sure the PGL has their crew of guys saying, Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. It's definitely a $10 billion valuation. And then whoever Kisner and the boards are using, I don't know if it's, he said it's independent. I don't know if it's the PJ tour that hired these guys or it was the players that hired these auditors to do it. They're saying no. So I, I don't know. It just, it just seems like it became a lot more real with the automatic payments up front to that many players that are not involved that's, in playing on the tour. That's huge. Well, I think um, that's how you win a vote. 
That's yeah. why they wanted to get to a vote. Say so if we can influence this this amount of players, we all of a sudden have a chance to win a vote. It's not just about the top five, 10, 25 guys. If you can influence, I mean, think about it. If you bring three tours into it, what are we looking at? Um, I mean, even if it's just a buck fifty a tour. I mean, there, I know there's more members than that on each one. I think for the most part, but technically, if you add in conditional, yeah, status. I think there's, I think there's two, there's two hundred voting members on the PJ Tour. Jay right. might be able to speak to this better than we can on what two hundred you have, how that comes down of, of who gets that voting right. Um, uh, I mean, every every tour. I mean, the, uh, you know, the Corn Ferry has their their guys and the PJ tour has their guys and every tour there below has, you know, they, they assess, but like can guys with like a conditional status on the PJ tour, do they get a vote or. Uh, it depends on, I mean, it depends on what's being voted on. Like uh, it, it typically it will go to that, that the player advisory board, you know, that's typically where they stop it. But if it's something that, that needs greater attention, then they'll, they'll send it out to a vote for the, all of the players. Yeah. Um, but typically they try to keep it with their, you know, their, 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 whatever the, whoever's been voted for that advisory board. And they do that on purpose because they say, these are the guys that were voted in. These are the guys that the players voted in and and you represent the players. So they're like, Hey, let's, we're just going to go to these 10 to 15 guys and let them make it, make the decisions. Um, yeah. But if it's, if it's a, if it's something like this, that's pretty big, they may reach out and, and do like a, a vote uh, for the entire tour. But. Yeah, I, th- I think the way the makeup is, is, there's what, 16 guys on the policy board, but then there's only four that are like officers, and I'm using the, l- the wrong terminology here. Those four kind of take what the 16 say and bring that to the PJ Tour board that sits with Monaghan and all those guys. Yeah. I think that's how it works. Make a decision, yeah. Yeah. So... Again, just more more news on all these fronts. I don't think any of this is going away anytime soon. We thought the Saudi League was going away after everyone said they weren't playing. And then they still seem to keep well, falling on their faces every time they go public. Yeah, yeah. they're doing this the complete it, wrong way. The PGL is going about this the right way. Without question, the Saudi League is getting so it's almost the guys they have involved and the way they're approaching it is it's very egotistical. And the only thing that I can imagine is that the amount of money that these guys have guaranteed for their involvement is so much that it allows them to be egotistical. I mean, if all of a sudden, I mean, what's Greg Norman getting paid to be a part of this? Oh yeah. You know what I'm saying? Hey, you give me 500 mil and I'll, (laughs) I'll go egotistical on camera all day. No problem. I got Uh, 500 mil. I don't care. If that guy, I didn't listen to all his interviews. I listened to a couple of clips here or there. If that guy says grow the game one more fucking time. <laughs> oh, Jesus, Greg, you're not growing the game, pal. <laughs> if you were trying to grow the game, why don't you go use all this money to start some youth leagues and that kind of stuff versus paying Bryson DeChambeau 130 million. <laughs> like you dumbass. Don't fucking say grow the game again. <laughs> grow the game, man. Grow the game. Yeah, he has no um, idea what growing the game is. I will say the one thing that I thought was kind of intriguing was how, you know, Rory was so against, you know, Phil Mickelson and always said, you know, I've got full disclosure with all the financials with the PJ Tour. And then a week later said, I wish the PJ Tour was more transparent with what they're doing behind the scenes. And I was like, well, that's, 
No, a- so I think what I think I took it what he's he meant is they need to be more transparent with the rest of the membership, not just the four guys on the board. Yeah, I mean, I I mean, I don't know the exact context, but either way, it's like you, you, you can't say, yes, I've got full disclosure. They tell me everything. And then the next like a week later, you say, oh, I wish there was more transparency. I wish they told me more, you know, and I, and it's still it's like whether you're talking about the exact same thing or not. It's just like, wait a second. You can't you can't claim one thing and then and then pull the 180 on the other end. So that was a little that was a little strange. And I, I think. I think the majority of people don't get the full transparency from the tour for the financials. I mean, whether or not Rory got that and he's privy to that, that's, he may be lucky, but most of the guys do not have that. Um, yeah. I think that's um, where he was coming from. Cause he says he's seen all the numbers. He's in all the budget meetings, but I think where he, what the question was, is why do all these other guys question it is because while well, the PJ tour doesn't share it with these guys, they mm-hmm. keep it to themselves and they make the, you know, where I forget who the other guys are with him. And they're, which they're, they're open them, opening themselves up to, to questions. When, yeah. When they, when they don't share that, if, if you've got full confidence in what you're doing and where the money's going, then you should let these guys know what's going on. Yeah. Uh, um, and they don't do that. And like I said, if, if Rory's one of the few that sees it, um, that's great. Um, I think it's weird that he would be one of the few and one of the only that have seen it. And you've got somebody, and again, I'm, I'm not coming to Phil Mickelson's defense here, but Phil Mickelson has been on the PGA tour for a lot longer than Rory McIlroy. And if, if there was something going on and he's, he's been, I mean, he is one of the, he's the second most influential golfer that we've seen in, in the last, in our generation. So if in and if he hasn't seen these financials and all of a sudden they've given them to Rory, that seems a little strange to me. Um, wh- well, I don't know if Phil's ever ever held the office that Rory currently holds. Uh, maybe, maybe not. Uh, but I know from an influential standpoint, I know he's way up there. So oh yeah, absolutely. Yeah, you would you would think that if if the PJ Tour were were thinking in their best interest of how they could promote their players and promote their brand, they would want to include. The best players, Tiger, Phil. Tiger is kind of taking a backseat with this whole this whole thing, which is fair. I don't blame him. Well, I think it's easy like, for him to do that because he's yeah. not out there in press conferences every yeah. other week. Yeah. Um, but I do. It does seem a little bizarre to me. Um, I, 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 and I, I like Rory. I, I do, and I, but I don't. I think he thinks he's he's seeing all the financials. I don't think that he's seeing all the financials. I think they're yeah, giving, but, but, but I think they're giving him what they want to give him. And he's saying, yes, I've seen everything, but they're going to give him what they yeah, want. But what's give in him. it then? I mean, what's I, again, I don't know. I'm not there, but I, I, I think that th- there's no reason. There's no reason for the tour to even give these to these players. I, I understand as a player, I want to see them, but at the same time, they don't have to give, they don't have to, to give this, give that to those players. So for him to say that he's seen it and he knows what's going on, I think he, in my opinion, I think he thinks he he's seen it all, but I don't think that they're, they're giving him everything. Um, yeah, I, I don't think there's any malicious intent, though. No, I don't, no, no, no. I don't, I don't, I don't think, think Jay Monahan's taking an extra hundred hundred million dollars every no, year. I'm not saying that, but I, I'm saying that I'm sure there's a 
I'm sure they're they're reallocating money where they see fit and they're going to let him see what they think they, he needs to see. And like I said, not maliciously, but they're like, hey, yeah, this is what we're doing. We're also oh, yeah, we're also doing this. But that was doesn't that, that doesn't pertain to you. So, well, we didn't feel the need to share that with you. Um, I'm 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 pretty confident that that's definitely probably happening um, because it, they're, they're, they're their own company and they don't feel the need that they have to disclose that to all the players, um, even though the players are the tour and that's what makes it work. But at the same time, they're the they're the organization. They're the function. They're 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 making it all work. But I, I I'm all I'm saying is there's definitely some discrepancy between what is being revealed to the players and what the players feel is, is being revealed to them. I don't think it's as clear cut as, as he's making it sound. Anyway, that's just, that's just my opinion, but. Sure. Um, but yeah, I don't know. Just more, more drama in that space in golf. And yeah. I, uh, I kind of, I kind of rooting for the PGL now to happen. I think it'd be fun. I think the PGL has legs. The Saudi, I don't, I, I don't think it has much. Um, but the PGL with that, if the funding is secure and with their plan in place, you're going to get guys You're and you're definitely going to get votes. You, you definitely perked a lot more people's attention, a lot more tour yeah. guys attention now coming out with that information. Yeah. So we'll see. We shall see uh, real fast. I, I don't know all the details. And, and they kind of were vague, but USGA RNA came out with, you know, their distance debate information. And they're really just kind of keep looking at things is really all they said. But they did mention doing a, you know, looking at drivers and as far as the spring like effect on the face and maybe limiting those more looking at the spin on the balls, maybe rolling those back a little bit. They were talking about model local rules, which is essentially bifurcating the rules where the PGA tour, the USGA and all their, you know, premier events can say, Hey, you have to play with X, Y, Z golf ball, or it has to your X, Y, Z golf ball, whether it's title is tailor-made Callaway, whatever has to conform and be this kind of spec mm-hmm. golf ball, which is again, essentially bifurcating the rules, which has been a hot topic because golf's pretty much the only sport that doesn't bifurcate the rules where technically we all, play by the same rules. I don't know. I, I didn't take a ton from it. Again, I didn't dive too deep into their report. And it's just more of a kind of a wait and see approach. It seems like I think they're maybe a little scared <laughs> to do anything. In all honesty, I think they really want to roll back all this stuff. I think they're really scared on what the players, the media, the manufacturers are all going to say to it. And yeah, I don't I don't even know what to say to it. It's just it's weird. I, I do think I am a fan of bifurcation. I think these guys should be playing under a different set of rules than my members do. Don't ever do anything to hurt the membership or the amateurs that play this game of golf. You know, I think that's where they've messed up in a few of their rule changes over the years, is they they made rules based off the PGA tour players with you know the whole anchoring ban thing when it's affecting Joe blow down the street, like don't affect him if you want to, you know. Yeah. But I think that they're, they're one in the same, in my opinion. I'm like, like if you want to go through a football, you're going to throw, if you want to throw an NFL size football, you're going to, it's the same size. Like you're going to throw the same football that they throw 
Like everything's the same, whether or not you can do it, that's up to you. Basketball, you play on 10 foot rim, 94 foot court, uh, same size basketball. Like I'm, I'm, I'm a fan of stopping the progression of the ball, but I don't, I don't, I don't really like rolling it back. I think that kind of messes with, with what's been done prior to. So um, if you want to ban a, uh, anchor and a putter or whatever, that's fine. You know that you're going to hurt the amateurs um, that need it to play, but they they want to play the same stuff that the the PJ Tour players play. So if you have a different set of rules, you're gonna whether or not you you acknowledge it, you're going to hurt the amateur game. Like taking away the you know taking away the the uh, the belly putter. You know, guys are like, yeah, I just play at my club. You know, I'm not playing in tournaments, but I can't, you know, I can play a belly putter with my buddies, but if I play in the member guests, I can't play the belly putter. So they don't play the belly putter. They just learn how to play something else. And that, that hurts golf in general. So I think whatever rule you make for the, for the professionals, it's gotta be consistent all the way through. So you have to think about that. I, I'm not, I don't, I don't think it does, but yeah, I mean, I, I, that's, I mean, I do. I mean, when I look at it from a, from a fan and a player, I think when you when you there people want to play what the that's what the whole marketing tool is. People want to play what they're playing. And if they're playing a different set of rules, then now you lose that connection. Like you don't relate with those players. They're like, hey, I well, play. They don't, they don't relate with them right now, anyways. They don't, but they do. They they look, hey, I'm 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 playing this driver because so and so plays this driver. Whether we like to say it or not, that's why they play it. Um, and if if they're playing different set of clubs, a different set of rules. Then, then this is a bigger disconnect between amateur golf or your local local club and what the guys do on tour. Um, so I think what's cool is that hey, I'm playing the same driver that so and so plays, or they think they are. Um, at least that's the way it's marketed. But when you when it's obvious, you're like, hey, they play, they have a different ball. You can play this ball. Then it's like, well, you know, he shot sixty seven with this this other ball that's restricted and I'm using this ball. I'm like, well, I want to play what they're playing. I want to see, I want to compare myself to, you know, especially for a top or better amateurs. They want to compare themselves to what the guys on tour are playing. Like, I'll use the same ball, use the same clubs, you know, but if you have a different ball, different clubs, it's like, okay, well, I don't really, I can't compare myself to the PGA tour guys because I'm playing on a different set of rules. Um, yeah. I don't know. I'm I'm okay with a with bifurcation and having the tour guys. Yeah, uh bifurcation bifurcation, awful. <laughs> Just to be clear. Why? Not gonna happen. Explain it. Uh very simple. If you look at the ability to relate yourself with a tour pro, you have the opportunity to play the same clubs, same equipment, same ball. Um, that's one of the beauties of the sport. You know, that's where I think baseball gets it wrong. Um, you know, the only guys that are playing with wood are in the big leagues. It's 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 a yeah. separation and it's it's different. Yeah. So at and the then, end of the day, one of the, one of the is- coolest things is taking a tour driver and a tour golf ball and being able to hit it the same. I mean, think about it. All of a sudden, I'm not on tour. Am I am I what what am I gonna play? I'm not I, I can't play the same driver and same ball that they play. I'm going to play something else. I don't think that makes me, it certainly makes me less attracted to the sport. Yeah. If I'm being it, honest. You. It's a disconnect between, between you and what you watch on TV. So 
If that's the case, we either stop watching golf on TV because you're playing a different set of rules. It'd be like, it'd be like, Hey, I'm, I'm going to go play basketball with my buddies. We, oh, we play on a nine foot rim, but they play on a 10 foot rim because they're all yeah, but rules. Seven. Rules change in every sport as you go up levels. In what, in what way? I get that. What's okay. So call it, call it college football. You have to have one foot in bounds. If you're a receiver, should you try to make? Uh, I got to catch but it. That, that doesn't that doesn't change the overall. Uh, that the changes overall if you're comparing outcome. yourself. If I'm a if I'm a wide receiver on Alabama and I'm comparing myself to Odell Beckham, well, he catches. He has to get two feet in bounds. So but look, I can't compare not myself there. I'm only getting one foot in bounds. The that's not that's, that's not, not a fair NFL, so That's not a fair analogy. The if you look at oh they're playing with a hydrogen filled ball that floats another twenty yards on average. That would be more of a fair equation. That's that's more of a performance based, like correct. Like, that's not about the equipment. That's more of a performance based. Yeah, if you're talking change. about changing the equipment, that's a different story entirely, and that's where this really comes down to. It's, it's exactly. Right. I think if, instead of playing with a an a just normal air filled ball, they're playing with a helium or a hydrogen filled ball, and it floats nine yards longer on average than a normal. That that's where you start to see that discrepancy exist that in my in my honest opinion and i think it makes it less attractive to the sport if we're not held up to the same rules as the tour players because when you all your members get done at the end of the day they walk in that clubhouse they're watching all those tour players in that lounge they have that similarity with them oh yeah i play i think you're overstating i play that that golf ball i think i play that overstating that i don't think i am i don't i don't know i i agree i agree i think i think that's what's cool about the connection i mean even even as a, you know, a higher level, you know, amateur, which I'm not an amateur anymore, but uh, like a, you know, mini tour player. Like I, I look at when I watch golf, like that's makes me want to watch. I look at the course that they played. They played the same kind of golf ball. They play the same driver, same type of driver. And I can, com- it's fun to kind of watch and compare like, Oh, they hit this shot in the year. Wow. That's amazing. That He's able to do off. that with my equipment. That is so but, cool. Yeah. But if, yeah, if but is it, it's not the same. Rules, it's not the same equipment. And so if if I'm Joe Blow and I have a 12 degree with a 45 gram senior flex, it, I, I what am I comparing? In in DJ's, it's not the same thing. What's the driver? So what's what? The so, the model, so it's got the, the same. Might be the so it's got the same name brand on it. So what? The, exactly. So exactly. Oh, what do you what do you play? I mean, it could be whatever driver it is. Say, oh yeah, I play that same driver. Yeah, he plays a seven and a half because he's a tour pro. I play the 12 because I'm a 10 handicap. That's where that exists. That's where that exists. So I'm, a, I'm an amateur. I'm a, I'm a 25 handicap with shovels, a massive cavity back iron and JT's playing a pure blade muscle back. Like that's not the same. So what's the, what's the, well, he has access to that product. Yeah. He has, he has access to that product. That's not a tour only product. If he's good remember, enough, he your member is not barred from playing that product. It might not be right for him, but if he wants to experience that, he has the right to, and the ability to now as a club fitter, I will tell you, that's not the right club for him. However, <laughs> the cool part about it is that he has the ability to go order the same iron that JT plays. Now, yeah. obviously we know that there are in our, in our line of work, we know there are some tour prototypes and some tour um, tolerance equipment out there that's a little bit different but at the end of the day the fact that they can assimilate themselves with the same say hell yeah i i play that same brand and i play that same product i play i play the same brand oh he's got the blade version i'm playing the slightly cavity version or or he's got 
the nine five and I've got the eleven five. You know, whatever it is, I feel like that's one of the best attractions to our sport, and it's very rare because you don't see that in many other sports outside yeah, of maybe I, football. But even then, they're playing with a different size ball depending on what league or size. I mean, hell, I don't know. Yeah, I, I don't know many people that strictly buy a golf club because of pros playing it. They're going to buy a golf club because it's the best performing club. For they them. don't play it because a pro plays it. They play it because they're able to assimilate with it. A brand does not make money because of one single guy playing it. The average consumer with custom fitting it these days has gotten way more intelligent and educated to understand that the product that Dustin Johnson playing, the driver that Dustin Johnson playing, is not the driver I need to play. You know, I don't need the stiff shaft. So it's different equipment. So what's. But, no, it, no. but just no, because no. It, you, you the want the perception of buying loft. the same thing. It's a different loft and a different stiffness. The same product, different loss, different stiffness. So this will this will be the same manufacturer. It will still say tailor made on the bottom of it. It just won't be. One will be a tour issue, and one won't be. Like what's? It's the same thing, right? But one one has got performance benefits, whereas regardless of like, yeah, but why would an am, why would an amateur want to play that? And I'm not talking high end because amateur is where doesn't want to. But if but look the way the marketing goes between behind these manufacturers with these guys is that they get into a model. Whatever it is, whatever brand, whatever model, and you know, I'm going to stay very vague on this subject, but whatever <laughs> brand and whatever model it is, they say, this is our 2015 model. I play the 2015 model. Hey, so do I. I'm just an amateur. Now, my setup's a little different, but he's playing the same brand and same model that I do. Yeah. He, he, he might be playing the seven and a half X. I'm playing a 10 five R, but we're both playing the same brand, same model. And while we both know there are a little bit of differences, you can still play the same tour, brand and same model. It doesn't work that way, bud. No, not, it does not, not work that not way. There's a performance not, difference. Without question. It does not work yeah, that I, way. Again, I, I don't if, – if there's amateurs out there, if this happens, and there's a club member at, at the Foundry Golf Club that says, I want this driver because DJ's playing it, I'm going to smack them across the face because they're not good enough to hit it. But that's not what the, that's not what this is about. You're missing the you're missing it entirely. You are absolutely missing it entirely because that's not what this is about. It is about straight up having what, the ability to assimilate yourself with a brand and a model based off of that player. Because you're not going to go out there. He's not going to go out there and say, oh, I know DJ plays this brand and this model. Give me this exact same setup as DJ has. If that member exists, he is so unintelligent. Then, then, and then what are you guys talking that, about? I don't, I, you're I'm, missing I'm, it. That's what I'm saying. You're missing it entirely. What his specs are are different. But the members or the players allowed to assimilate themselves with that brand and that model. You're right. He has a seven five. He has a seven five X. He has a seven five. He has a seven five X. I play a ten five R. But we both play the same driver. That's what I'm talking about. Uh, I think that's overstated. I think you're missing it. No, I'm not missing it one bit. Well, I, I'd agree that two other people on this podcast. That's fine. Are 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 saying a small sample up, size? Mike, you're missing it. You're missing it. <laughs> Well, give us that mass hole bullshit. Uh, I'm not giving you any mass hole bullshit. You're the this one going is, This off. is ignorant. You're being ignorant. I'm not being ignorant. You are. You're being fucking ignorant. I love you, but you're being fucking ignorant. Go fuck yourself, all right? Yeah, I'm not Go being fuck ignorant. Yourself. I love you. Go fuck yourself. Oh, man. So, Mike, McLean, what do you guys think of bifurcation? <laughs> are you fucking serious? <laughs> Unreal. Is, that was unbelievable. Um, unbelievable. He's the only he's the only golf professional left on this podcast, and this is what we're getting. Yeah, <laughs> unbelievable. The PGA um, is, the PGA is a shame tonight. 
<laughs> no, they're really not, though. They're really not. <laughs> oh, this is good. I'm entertained. I don't. I'm I, I don't know a single person that was like, oh fuck, look at look at JT. I play that, but I play it in a 10 and a half. No one says that. They play what they feel is best no for No one game. says that. No one says that. You know, you're in club sales, right? Yeah. Don't don't go all high and mighty on me, buddy. Just I'm not you, going high and mighty on you. I'm just saying I, I the, sold a few on. clubs in my day. You're not the only one that sells golf clubs. I know McLean. you have. I'm just saying, are you on I the- talk to cu- customers every single fucking day. <laughs> you're right you're right you've, you've you've dealt with way more club sales than i have. I didn't say i did exactly right exactly don't right. talk to me like i don't know what i'm fucking talking about i'm not saying you don't know what you're fucking talking about but i am saying that you're missing the point here people like to assimilate with their idols i don't care who it is they like to be able to say they validate pga tour players validate their brands if i'm playing this model driver and the, this model driver is the number one played driver on the pga tour it makes sense for me as a consumer to consider that model if this brand has this model is the number one iron model played on tour it makes sense for me to go assimilate or find something within that line that's how club sales are that's how they're influenced. I kind of look at it like, um, you know, I look at like basketball, like basketball shoes, like let's say Michael Jordan's wearing these shoes, whatever they are, Air Jordan, whatever. Like, I want to, I want to be able to wear those shoes, you know? And if, yeah, but there's no he, performance. No, you're not allowed shoes. to, Jay. You're uh, not in the that's, NBA. That's not, no, you're not allowed that, to wear Jordans. You're not in the there, NBA. There is. I mean, if, say he has a has he say he has a pair of shoes that are are different, and then they they restrict the shoes based on performance. They're like, hey, I mean, they have done that with the running shoes. Um, Nike's had got, got a couple of shoes that they have found have uh, created the fly knit uh, running shoes that they created some type of reverb re- reverberation, like kind of bounce effect with these shoes and they've been banned, but your amateurs can get them and run with them. But it's like, wait a second, if I'm going to go out and, and run the mile and test myself and test my skills, but the, the professionals or the best players or the best runners can't use these shoes. Well then am I cheating? Like, am I using something that's not, that's not equivalent to what the best runners in the world are using? So let me, I want to, I want to compare myself and, and, and granted I, when I say compare myself, it's like, it's not like you're saying I'm going to beat them. It's just like, Hey, they ran a three, three minute, uh, you know, 47 second mile. And I ran a five minute mile, you know, I want to compare like the standard, you know, and, and when the standard is consistent, then it's easier to make that comparison. And I think that keeps people engaged and keep, keeps people watching in my opinion. Now, when you, I think when you have a separate set of like, if the rules get too, too distinct, now I think you separate the, the fans and the amateurs versus the pros. And I, I don't think that's a good thing. In my opinion, I think what makes golf cool is that you can, you can play the same driver and, and you, and you, they're all both under the same set of rules. Um, that that's what I think is that's the beauty of golf. It's like, Hey, I can, I've got the same shafts that so-and-so plays, you know, I've got stiff flex, they've got X flex, but it's the same shaft. You know, it's, it's the same type of shaft. I mean, it's fit for me, but it's the same shaft. Um, it's like the that, Ventus, that, that, for example, the Fujikura Ventus is one of the hottest shafts in golf right now. The yeah. average member is not playing it in the same stiffnesses and weights that the PJ tour players are, which have, created all the buzz and stir about it because that's where it started out we saw a big a big movement towards that shaft on tour we saw a a large 
I'm not going to say majority, but we saw a large number of players migrate to that shaft. All of a sudden, that makes it very entertainable for the softer and lighter flexes because the average PJ, the average consumer looks at it and says, hey, man, this, this is working for so many guys out there. Let me put it in my bag. Let me, let's try it out. Same thing goes for the golf ball. What happens when a certain golf ball, the Pro V1 is not the number one golf ball on tour? Do you think amateurs start flocking away from it or do they start trying something different? I mean, I, uh, I'm, 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 I kind of agree though, Mike, in the sense that I'm, I'm for slowing the slowing the ball down. Like, I, because I think we're getting to the point where we're taking away the skill set, like of guys learning how to control the ball. So I, I I'm, I'm for stopping the progression and like, Hey guys, this is it. We're like, we're not going to keep making these ball speeds faster and faster and faster. Cause I think we do lose a little bit of skill set, but to roll it backwards after we've already after we've already played with it, I think is it, it it's tough because it's like it's like going, you know, uh let's just say in and you know baseball. It's like, hey, you play 162 games a year, but you know what? That's too many games. We're gonna drop it back to 150. And it's like all the records, all the stats are like in jeopardy, and it it, it it's like an asterisk beside it. So I would hate to see them roll the ball back. It's like, hey, they, somebody shot the you know scoring record at the Masters was X, Y, and Z, and whatever. Uh, and now you roll the ball back, and it's like now you've got a whole. I just think it. it yeah, but it, advance it, advancing doesn't advancing doesn't do does the same thing to those records. Uh, I mean, in, in you, a you sense, can't you can't compare what what Tiger did at Augusta to what sure. Arnold Palmer did at Augusta because it's not a, it's a different game. It's, it's so you can't really compare those either. Sure. I mean, you know, advancing, I mean, it's, it's continually changing, but I and think there's tons of sports that have rolled stuff back over the years to change scoring. It's happened in MLB. It's happened in uh, NHL. It's happened in a lot of different things. Leagues and sports change rules to adjust to what's going on all the time and roll things back. And I mean, if it, and, and that's probably why baseball struggles for the last however many years because of stuff like that. Um, and, and we all know that they've struggled. Um, yeah, they have. I'm not saying and, it. I'm just saying and, it's not like it, unprecedented. I think, I think that's I think that's part of it. You know, I mean, you start rolling separation. Messing, you start messing with the standard of what would they play at and, and you start rolling it backwards. It's fine. If if you're continually progressing, that's one thing. But if you find a way to set a standard, that's that's again, that's another. But if you roll it back, now you're going backwards like, OK, this guy hit sixty seven home runs one year, but now you change the way the, the, the construction of the ball, how tightly was wound. Now you change the, the, you know, the, the COI of the bat. And it's like, okay, now we're going backwards. Now it's like, how, how can we compare these two guys uh, going, going again? And I understand what you're saying. Progression is going to change every year, but I think that's where you, the PJ tour is going like, Hey, you know what? This is it. This is the ball. This is what we got. You know, we're going to stop here. And if you want to keep getting better, you're going to get better in different, different ways um and it, i think you have to look at it in a sense of like what what is the most pertinent and most important thing that we need to stop and i think distance is the number one thing because they're getting to a point where they, there's golf courses that they can't play anymore like classic really really great golf courses that you cannot pet you can't play anymore they're like outdated because they're not long enough they don't have enough they don't have enough uh of acreage to, to accommodate so for them to put a cap on the ball is i think is in my opinion is i'm okay with that 
But I just I think that the, it should be the same for everybody. I wouldn't want them to have a separate set of rules, but I'm I'm, I'm okay with them capping. Well, so a separate know, set of rules is different than a separate set of equipment, but I, I just think the USGA and the RNA make too many rules decisions based off of 200 guys. Can we all agree on that? Yes. Agreed. They always make the ruling changes based off of 200 guys when there's tens of millions of people that play this game. And so if they have to change how they govern the professionals versus the amateurs differently, I'm completely fine with that. And you won't convince me otherwise. I think they all need to be held to the same standard, but I do think that at the end of the day, a precedent should be put on the greater good, not just what's best for the tour when it comes down yeah. to certain rules. I, I agree. So, all right. That went way longer than I thought. Um, that was good. That was good shit right there. Hey, let's, hey Mike. Let's move on. Mike, Mike punched Matt uh, McLean through the, uh, through the zoom in the face and, and he didn't even feel it. <laughs> didn't flinch. So, no. didn't it's, very, it's very soft punch. Didn't flinch. <laughs> Oh, uh, got that redneck gal. <laughs> All right, let's get into um, our picks and previews this week. So, we got the World Golf Championship event. Um, it's still called the Dell Match Play. Yeah, the Dell Match Play at Austin Country Club, which is a fun golf course to watch. I do like watching this event just because it's a different format, and the golf course I feel like is perfect for this event. There's a lot of kind of risk reward and. Some big numbers can be made on the back nine. Birdies can be made too. So, um, there's a couple couple guys bail. I know actually Sam Burns WD'd. He's not in the field. I guess he's partied too much after his win <laughs> last night. But he WD'd this morning. There was somebody else. Uh, I can't remember who it was that that WD that should be in the field. But um, so again, it starts Wednesday. We're recording this Monday night podcast will go out Tuesday. It's going to start Wednesday because of all the rounds they have to play. Everyone is grouped um, into uh, four player pods, if you will. Groups one through 16. uh, The top 16 seeds kind of head up the groups. They play a round robin. You come out of the group and then it's match play from there. 16 winners. So uh, the way DraftKings does it is pretty different. It's based off of holes won or lost or when your match ends. So it's a little bit different. We are opening this up to um, listeners. So if you know one of us and want the link and don't have it, let us know. We'll try to put it on um, our Instagram page as well tomorrow, if I remember. I already but, sent it to my mom. Okay. Send it to your mom. There you go. <laughs> get, get Pammy Love back in here. Yeah, she's in. <laughs> so... Who wants to go first? I uh, I would say a recommendation to all of our listeners when you're picking your squads, make sure you're picking guys from different groups. Yeah. Right? Essentially pick the guys you think might win their group because you want them to play the weekend. You can't have – if you want to pick two guys from the same group, well, someone's not playing the weekend because one of them's going to win and one of them's going to go home. And you want to amass points and play as many holes as possible in DraftKings. So make sure you get six different guys from six different groups out there. This is a hard one. This is a really, I took none really of that into consideration. 
I'll uh, I'll, I'll do my lineup first, okay. and I'll do it quickly. Um, I will. Uh, I'm gonna start off at the bottom. Sixty-three hundred bucks. Uh, Sebastian Munoz. Wow. Um. Yeah, out of John Rom's group. Yeah, you know what? I mean, this is he's the type of guy, in my opinion. That and P. Reed. Yeah. P. Reed hasn't been playing that great. John Rom has actually not been playing that great, and Sebastian Munoz doesn't give an you know, flying F about any of these guys. Like I, I, this guy like doesn't care. I like, I love his attitude. He's like, you know what? Screw you guys. Like I can do it. Um, so at six hundred bucks, he, he's a type of guy who can get hot real fast. And so I'm going to, I'm going to take a chance on him. Um, I'm going to jump. That means, you get, that means you get some studs on your team. If you're taking it someone 6,300, I am, I am, uh, uh, I'm going to go jump up to Tom Hoagie at 6,800 bucks, which who I think is a stud. Uh, but he's only he's only listed at uh, sixteen hundred bucks. He's been playing some great golf as of late, um, and I kind of looked at his his pairing there, and he is with uh, Horschel, wow. Peters, and and uh, Emily. I don't know who Emily is. Min Hu Lee. Yeah, I feel like that's a pretty good. I feel like that's a pretty good lineup for him to work his way out of. Um, and Horschel is obviously played well in this event and he's a, a good match play player but yeah defending um, champ if he can if he can somehow sneak out of that then i think he's in in a good spot to uh you know accumulate some po- good points but um next up and then i jump up to alex noren who's played well as of late um he's got a pretty good um he's got a pretty good uh, uh grouping as well but I, I do think he's been playing some good golf he's with uh shoot Louie, Casey, and Connors. Yeah. Um, and, you know, a lot of those guys are, you know, you guys know how I feel about Paul, Paul Casey. They're all kind of um, hit or miss. Yeah, they're all kind of hit or miss, you know, and he's been playing well, so I think it's worth he's worth a shot at that price. Um, so I'm going to jump up. From there, I, I kind of get into my, my heavy hitters. Uh, I've got Rory's uh, – stepbrother uh matthew fitzpatrick at 8700 bucks <laughs> again solid a lot of solid golf i mean obviously uh he didn't play well at the players but prior to that i mean super super solid golf so um give him a shot and then i jump up to dustin johnson who has played well in this event hasn't played well as of late but did did throw a couple good rounds together at uh, at TPC. What did he shoot? Sixty three on Sunday, yeah. something like that. Course, record. course record. So I, I mean, I like that. He's he does have, he's got Max Homa, he's got Matthew Wolf, and he's got Mackenzie Hughes in his pairing. And all those guys are kind of good mid tier players, but none of those guys are at his level, in my opinion. If he's playing his best golf, they can't compete with him. Um, I, I'd say Matt Matthew Wolf will be the one guy in a match play event that that could probably hang with him in terms of distance and birdies. But um, if Dustin Johnson's hitting at three thirty and driving in play, these guys can't they they can't compete with him. So uh, I I think he's a sneaky pick there. And then uh, last but not least, um, I've got Victor Hovland, your uh, boy, my boy. I like him. Although I will say I did not. I, I he dropped a notch. I mean, I had him at a ten out of ten for coolness. And I didn't like, I didn't like the way he went after burger for the, for the drop. I think he was out of line. 
in my opinion. We've already talked about it. He didn't have a good view on it, and he should have just said, hey, man, you know, it's up to you. If you think it crossed here, then then it's on you. It's your conscience. But he, he really put his foot down, and I think he was wrong. I mean, he was, he was wrong. Um, but it is what it is. I still like him, and he's a good yeah. player. So I'm going with him. Well, so this is a, a wild group. You got Victor Hovland and Will Zalatoris. Folks, when they get around the green, do <laughs> not turn off your screen. You may not understand what you're about to see because Hovland's going to bone one across the green, and then Zalatoris is going to have a four-footer to win, and he's not even going to sniff the hole, and he's going to make a figure eight with his backstroke, and it's going to be wild, enter- wildly entertaining. That Victor, Hovland, Victor Hovland's going to hit 18 of 18 greens like five rounds in a row. <laughs> You better hope so. I hope so. <laughs> I, I loved it when I saw those two, my two boys, my two short game gurus there in the yeah. uh, same group. So, all right. I like it. Uh, McLean, you ready? Oh, yeah. Uh, started off up top, JT, 10 7. Uh, moving down, running to the putting specialist himself, Will Zalatoris. <laughs> Uh, 8,300, Mr. Sergio Garcia. Wow. Nice. Um, 77, Max Homa. 74, Jason Kokrak. 73, Corey Connors, which is, I think, a steal at that dollar. That's a pretty good, that's a pretty solid lineup right there. I'm feeling pretty good about it. Man, you yeah. rattled those off fast. Well, yeah. You got to get in where you fit in. You no, know? no power ranking notes. To <laughs> no, I want to go back to guys? fucking buy purification, goddammit. <laughs> That's where I'm at right now. By purification. By purification. By purification. <laughs> Bifurcation. It's too many syllables. Too many syllables in there, pal. Well, um, <laughs> you know, when you get mad, you you get in there. You just throw an extra syllable in there. Why not? It's for emphasis, damn it. <laughs> All right. Let's start on my squad. I'm gonna go at the very bottom. Um, I have Thomas Peters. He's mm. been sneaky playing really well, but a lot of it's come across the pond. So not many people um, have talked about it. He's playing a lot, a lot better than he did a couple of years ago. And there always seems to be some like kind of quasi random European play well in these events um, and get through when no one thinks they're going to get through. So I like Thomas Peters at 6,800. Then I'm going to go up to Keith Mitchell. It's just been plugging away all year, finds himself in the top 20, top 30 a lot recently. So I like Keith Mitchell. He can hit the ball a mile, and he can make a bunch of birdies. So I like Keith Mitchell. Then I'm going to go to uh, Max Homa. I love Homa's draw because DJ's the number one seed, and he's not playing great. No, he just shot 63 at the point. Yeah, one, one round. Right. One round. My man, Max. Oh, you need has, is one round. Has no, you got to win a couple matches in this. No, my man, Max home was playing solid. No major weakness. Uh, Wolf and Mackenzie Hughes are not going to do anything. So it's either going to be DJ or Homa <laughs> <laughs> coming out of that. I feel like coming out of that group. And so I like Homa. Nothing's going to phase him. And then I'm going to go up to um, Joaquin Neiman. Again, just playing his ass off this year. Ball striking machine, just like him in this kind of format. 
Then I like uh, he's also he's got, got he's got a good he's got a good uh, grouping though. Uh, I, you know, with McNeely and Henley and Nah, I mean those are all kind of mid tier guys, but. Um, yeah, he, he just he kind of jumped out at me in that group that's just uh, wildly better than the rest of them. Yeah. But I'm going to go. Uh, the last two have already been picked, but I got Matt Fitzpatrick, 8,700. Again, he's playing well. Um, he's in shape. He's not a pudgy Rory McElroy, like Jay said earlier. <laughs> and <laughs> then my last at uh, 10,700. Uh, Colin Morikawa. JT. Oh, I thought you'd go with Colin Morikawa. Nah, Morikawa's not playing him. well. Mark, I do love Morikawa, but he's just not hitting it well. He's not playing well. He had a bad weekend at Valspar. Uh, JT, uh, he's he's due. He loves match play. He's a great match play player. Jay hates him, but McLean and I love him. I don't hate him. Love, I don't, I don't him. hate him. I just don't think he is. Love I don't him. think he's a. I don't think he's a. You know, a one, two, three guy in the world right now. I think he's not. Where Where are you? Where What planet are you on? <laughs> What? You don't think he's a top player in the world? Look, look at, look at his yeah, finishes. Some, yeah, while the two of you fight, somebody else well, fight. He, he, just, he just doesn't win. Like again, like he he's always kind of in there, but he just doesn't win. Like I I, I think I want to see him. Like I want to see him win events and close close tournaments out. When was the last win he? When was the last win he had? Um, I could go to the records. He has fourteen wins. Yeah. I mean, yeah. DJ, DJ has twenty five wins. Okay, yeah, he was also been DJ on tour for eight way years older than yeah. fucking not way uh, older. Is. Way older, not way older. He's way like older. Nine, he's like nine or ten years older. Yeah, way older. It's not even a fair fight. <laughs> way way older. I would guarantee you right now that JT has more wins through his age than DJ did at this age. I don't think so. I, I, I have no idea how to look that I up, and I'm not counting. We could I'm we not, could look that up, but I'm not he, counting. Uh, Justin Thomas has not won since the last year's players. Okay, he's currently world ranked seven. Yeah, uh, and I think that's about right. I think events this year he has five top fives. I, I mean, he's played in 186 events in his career, and he has 46 million dollars in earnings. No, these are all great numbers. Years. I mean, uh, but. I just uh, he just doesn't seem to close the close the door when he needs to close the door. Uh, I mean, if you go back and look at the, the events that he's been in the hunt, he just hasn't finished it off when he's needed to. Like, yeah, but if you I keep mean, putting yourself there, yeah, no, 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 it. no question. I'm not. That's I mean, it. again, I'm I'm not saying not close he's currently he's a top ten. ten. He's a top ten player in the world for sure. Is he's he currently a, is top he, ten in the following stats: strokes gain, approach to green, fifth. Strokes gain, T to green, third. Strokes gain, total, fourth. Scoring average, second. Uh, greens of regulation, eighth. And scrambling, sixth. Those are just the ones where he's top 10 in. What is mind-blowing, he's 16th in driving distance at 155 pounds soaking wet. That's great. Good That's impressive. I mean, he's got a – so I'm looking at all his wins here. He's got 14 wins, so he won last year. He won twice in 2020. He won twice in 2019. He won twice in 2018. He won two, three, four, five times in 2017. Won once in 2016. Once once in 2015. It's pretty damn solid. No, I, I mean, uh, solid. Jay, Jay am, thinks I, am I am I saying that he's not a top <laughs> tier player in the world? No, I, I obviously I'm not. I'm not an idiot. I, I currently think he's the best player in the world right this second. 
I don't uh, think he is the best player in the world. So that's that's my that's you think my qualm. That's all. I, that's all I'm saying is I don't think he's the best player in the world. Who do you put above him right this second? For entertainment purposes only. I mean, if I had to, if I had to, if I had to bank on somebody right now, I mean, Jesus, Cam Smith is playing good, but um, I would say overall, Cam Smith ever. No, if you look back of the course of the past six months, I would say that uh, John Rahm is 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 a better a better player, and he's got m- more of that finishing capability, that quality. How's in my playing? opinion, what's that? How's he been playing? I mean, I mean, over the course of six months, not the last three months, last not, not, not the last three tournaments. But I mean, over the course of the last six months to a year, I would put him. I would put him above. I would put him above. We were talking stuff. six months. I apologize. Hell, I would. I would even put Victor Hovland above uh, Justin Thomas. All right. Mm. Who do you want in a chipping contest? I mean, that doesn't matter. It's. I mean, it and they does. all. They does. all have their strengths and weaknesses. Getting up and down in contention matters. When it, you have to get it, up it and down and do a round, it certainly it, does. I would put it on JT every time before I put it on. But JT. I, but I can guarantee you that Victor Holland's going to hit the fairway, hit the green more often than Justin Thomas. Look at the strokes gain T to green and strokes gain greens in regulation. Let's Justin Thomas is right. I mean, so and just stats. going back to Rom too, he hasn't. He's always up there, and he doesn't really close either. I mean, you look at his wins. He won once in twenty twenty one. He won twice in twenty twenty. Won once in. 2019. So it's not like he's closing any more than JT is. And again, none of these guys are going to close all the time when they're up there all the time. No, no, no. But I I mean, I just, that's again, that's just my opinion and watching him. I just feel like he, he's all, he, he does put himself in the contention a lot and he just doesn't seem to finish it off. I think Tiger spoiled us all. Oh, a hundred percent. You know, no question. Um, I'm trying to look up. I'm trying to look up Victor's stats here. I'm looking at him right now. You want to? You want to? Let's compare him real quick. All right, Victor Hover only. Victor Hovland only leads in one stat over JT. Oh, he leads in two stats. I take that back. Driving accuracy and approach to the green. Those are two big approach to the green. Right there. <laughs> hold on, though. Hold on, though. Let me run this down real quick. I'm going to run down the window. Victor Hovland strokes gained off the tee, twelfth. Approach to the green, third. Around the green, 213. Sure. Putting, 52. T to green, 32. Total, 28. Scoring average, 27. Driving distance, 35th. Driving accuracy, 44th. Greens and regulation, 12th. And scrambling. Hold, please. I'm coming back with Justin Thomas. Off the tee, 14th. Approach to the green, 5th. Around the green, 35th. Putting 100th, tee to green, third, strokes gain total, fourth, scoring average, second, driving distance, 16th, driving accuracy, 134, greens and regulation, eighth, scrambling, sixth. Justin Thomas is a single digit stat holder in one, two, three, four, five, six of the major stats. Victor Hovland is only in a single digit on one, and that's green and regulation. Who's got more wins in the last six months? Who's got oh. more career earnings? 
Hovland. Well, I mean, Hovland's only been playing for two no, years. No, I get that. I get that. But there's a bunch of different ways you could look at that, though. There's a bunch of different ways you could judge that. That's I, all I'm saying that. is that there's a bunch of different ways we could look at it and say, sure. oh, this particularly works better for this player. This particularly works better for that player. But it's not we automatic. Argue that a bunch I mean, of different ways. If we're a, looking at statistics, then uh, it's a pretty clear who's a little bit out in front right now in terms of how well they're playing currently. That's all I'm saying. I don't know. I don't. I don't agree. Currently, I mean, how have they finished? Are we this? making a statistical based choice, or just kind of mm-hmm. going at it from willy nilly? I mean, you can look at it however you want. You can look at statistics in terms of, of of highest finishes in the last five tournaments, and you can look at it. You want to go statistics? You can. Would look you at it. say that a five tournament stretch is the ultimate decision maker? To current play, yes. Okay. Where where did Victor Hovland finish last week? Victor Hovland in his last in his last five events, ninth, second, fourth, and he missed the cut at waste management. Third, thirtieth, first, in his last six events. So, but how how recent are those six? Has he skipped a bunch? No, that, that's the that's the most recent events. Those are the the last six events. So, what's JT at? JT is thirty third, sixth, eighth, twentieth, fifth. So I mean, very comparable. I mean, there. I'm, I'm not. Again, I didn't say that he's not a good player. Sure. I just don't think is. I think people like him, and I think they rank him higher. They think he's better than he is. Like, how many majors does he have? How many majors does Hovland have? Yeah. I, I, again, I, I, I agree. But I mean, Justin Thomas has been out there longer. Absolutely, I agree with that as well. He's had more chances. How many? How many majors does Justin Thomas have? One. One. John Rom, John Rom, another player that we talked about has one. One. Um, so again, I mean, all I, again, when you get, I just think JT is one it, of the best all-around players out there. Victor Hovland has an obvious um, issue. Justin Thomas doesn't have an obvious issue. Well, no question. And I and I I said current play. I think Hovland's probably playing better than both of those guys. But I I've my originals. I originally said uh, I would put John Rom. If I had to pay, if, if it was John Rom and Justin Thomas playing and like an eighteen hole match for the U.S. Open, I would take John Rom. I so badly want a Hovland or Rom v GAT final this week. Now I would love that. that There's no great. chance we're going to get. You know, two top ten players because we never get two top ten players in the finals against each other in this thing. And, but and in all honesty, if I mean, if I had to go on talent and just overall skill set when they're playing their best golf, Dustin Johnson and Rory McIlroy are ahead of both of those guys. If they're if Dustin Johnson's playing his best and Rory's playing his best, Justin Thomas cannot beat those guys. He cannot. If Dustin Johnson walks out there and is striping at three thirty down the middle with a little fade. And hitting his wedges to a foot, Justin Thomas can't beat him. He cannot beat him. I mean that—that's just that. I mean, it, that's just sport. That's like saying, can you know Kyrie Irving beat LeBron James in one-on-one? And LeBron's playing his best basketball. No, he can't. Is—is is Kyrie Irving an incredible basketball player? Hundred percent. He scored sixty points the other night. Yes, great player. But He's if LeBron James is playing his best, yeah, he thinks the world's flat, which is it's asinine. But if LeBron James is playing his best golf, th- th- there's no comparison. I mean, not as best golf, his best basketball. It's no <laughs> he's six. He's six eight two seventy. 
and Dustin Johnson's six, four, you know, two, 200 and Justin Thomas is five, eight, you know, one fifty five. you know, he, he maxes out. He does. He's incredible at maxing out with what he has. And I commend him for that. A hundred percent. Is he a great player? Is he a top 10 player in the world? Yes. It does. Is he better than Dustin Johnson or Rory when they're playing their best? No, I don't think so. But Dustin Johnson, I'll, I'll give you DJ. Ranked, I'm not sure about Rory. Dustin Johnson's currently ranked one behind Justin Thomas in driving distance, which is Justin Johnson's highest ranked stat currently. I mean, that's, that's great. I mean, that, uh, the, the, you, you know, I'm not this as saying well as that I Dustin do. Johnson is a shorter player than Justin Thomas. I, yeah. I, I will admit. I mean, you understand that Dustin Johnson Justin likes Johnson to play a little cut because he, he knows he can hit a three thirty and keep it in play. Justin Thomas hits a draw typically and Absolutely. tries to maximize everything that he's got. I mean, his both toes are coming off the ground every fucking driver swing. I mean, he's getting and he and it's great. It's impressive to see somebody do that. I mean, I, I commend him for it. But we're talking about the best in the world. We're trying to say the best in the world, not the best for what your size is, the best in the world. And I I love him. I think he's I think he's incredible, but not the best player in the world. I just kind of like that two other people not me are arguing this was great i just kind of I mean, this is this this is not arguing this is a debate this is a debate yeah i'm just always involved for some reason just um, healthy debate <laughs> this is a healthy, healthy debate. debate healthy debate uh, healthy i'm just debate. glad somebody else is involved in the debate <laughs> i seem um, like i i always seem to get myself in the middle of these things i'm a master debater i guess yeah you're a master something baiter <laughs> Yeah. Uh, uh, all right. That was enough for tonight. That was fun. Started slow, ended hot. Good shit, boys. Good shit. Always, always. And uh thank you to good all friends, of our listeners. Good time. All right. If you've still made it through all this to all of our listeners, I'm gonna They're give not you a, fucking listening. I'm gonna give yeah, you a challenge. Are. You we've got some listeners, dude. The people are pumping no, I'm in. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. We're All getting- of our listeners, a couple, couple of weeks ago, a month ago, whatever it was, I told everyone to share this with three friends, right? Now I challenge all of you to go on Apple, Amazon, Spotify, whatever you're listening to us on. Most people, it's, it's Apple or Spotify. And rate us and review us. Give us five stars. If you want to give us less, fine. But ideally, I think we earn five stars because we can't get 10 because they only allow five. But rate us, give us a review. That would greatly help help us, and uh, we appreciate it, as always, for tuning in. And we'll be back next week. I think we're going to have a two-man show next week. Jay's out of town on some business. And so we'll uh, McClay and I will break down the match play, uh, break down Hovland and Zalatoris' short games. Yeah. And then, um, hey, Jay won't be here, so we can talk all about JT next week. That would be a 90-minute <laughs> argument. No, you and I, you are on the same boat as on JT, on JT without question, on JT without question. Yeah, he's either going to win or he's not going to get out of his his, out of his grouping. So it's going to be one or the other. All right, guys, that was fun, and uh, thanks for listening. Take care. Yeah, thanks, guys. Cheers. Peace. Peace.